Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. With that thought about a former member here, I'll let you know I spoke with Derek yesterday, and um, he said he's checking in all the time to see if his AV stuff is still doing well. And so, I talked to him about what he's doing. He's building so much stuff down there, I think he's beating bread oaks to his compound idea. And so they are uh, doing well. I asked him if there's any way to get him back, and the answer, of course, is no. But um, he did want me to pass on that to you. When God forgives, he teaches us how to forgive. And so we're going to talk about what happens when I forgive. We're not going to even debate whether I should forgive. Because that's an understood concept, that I must forgive. When I see what God does, I can learn what I'm supposed to do when it comes to forgiving people. This is a very difficult thing to do sometimes because people have a hard time letting go. We're going to talk about that. We're going to understand a little bit about that, I intend. But in order to figure out everything connected with what happens when I forgive, I need to back up and start in a place that makes sense. My responsibility to forgive I have to understand how this word is used in Scripture. If I understand the word forgive in Scripture, it will help me in texts that are a little more difficult to understand, two or three that we'll be talking about this evening. The word in its meaning is very clear. The translation of it into what is going on is pretty consistent, but in the events or the places where we find it being used, adds some interest to our understanding of what I'm supposed to do in forgiving. So it's very clear that the word forgive means to release, to send away, or to let go. Now, Let's notice some places where this word is used. It's used many, many times, of course, in Scripture. But let's notice some interesting places, at least for our discussion. Matthew chapter 4, after the devil had finished tempting Jesus, the Bible says that he let him alone. He forgave him. Well, that doesn't make sense if we translate it that way, doesn't it? But the devil, when he went away, when he left him, is the very same word used from which we get the translation to forgive. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24, Jesus is speaking there. 
about when you have something against a brother in Christ, and you bring your gift to the altar, of course, he's using the image or the metaphor of the Jewish way of worship, if you will. Here, here someone has come to the altar with a sacrifice for the priest to give, but he is harboring something in his mind about a fellow Jew. And Jesus makes it clear. He said, you leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother first. Then come and offer your gift. When Jesus said, leave the gift, same word from which we get our word, forgive. The apostles. Jesus was talking to them in Matthew 19 about forsaking to follow him as a disciple. And after he's spoken this to the people, the apostles said, look, Peter did in fact, we have left all to follow you. Left all, verses 27 and 29. That's the same word. It's the same word from which we get forgive, to leave all to follow Jesus. In Luke 9, Jesus is talking again about discipleship and following him. And one of the three who are, we're presented at the end of that chapter who make excuses for following Jesus, one said, let me first go home and bury the dead, and then I will come and follow you. And Jesus' words were, let the dead bury their own dead. That word let, same word for forgive. One more that I'm of interest. John 14 and verse 27, Jesus said, My peace I Leave with you, not as the world gives. That word, leave, is the word that we are considering here. That word, leave, is our word for give. I want you now to turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 27 in verse 50. And I want you to notice something. Matthew 27 and verse 50. We're going to look at a couple of passages that are of great interest to me. Jesus is on the cross. And at the end, the text reveals in verse 50, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. That word, yielded up. That word is an interesting word. He yielded up. He let go of it. Did they kill him? No. Could they kill him? No. In fact, as you recall, when they went to break the legs of those hung so they would die more quickly, Jesus was already dead. 
Because he yielded up. He released it. This idea of releasing, this idea of releasing is what this word actually means. To release something. Now, when I understand that I am releasing something with this word, giving it up and sending it away, now turn with me to Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. And I want you to notice how this word is used in this passage. Again, from Jesus on the cross. Jesus cried out, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Okay. I know, as you do, that on the cross, with one of those thieves crucified with him, one of them, after initially joining those who were insulting Jesus, one of them had a change of mind and a change of heart. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's the word, I forgive you, is not used there. But not any of us doubt that what Jesus was saying was, you're going to be with me in paradise, and I have to understand the implication because I am now forgiving you. I don't have any doubt that that's what's going on. And so if Jesus forgives sins, if Jesus releases the guilt that people have in sin, well, none of us could have anything negative to say about that. That's what Jesus does. That's what God does. But in this case, while Jesus is hanging on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I have viewed that verse potentially in the same light as the thief. Father, just forgive them. Remove their guilt, remove their sin, because they're ignorant. And they don't know what they're doing. Well, if Jesus were to say that, and he already did to the thief, then it would make sense to me that if he did it and that's what he's talking about, then okay, he's forgiven. They're forgiven. But it doesn't seem possible that that's the case. Just 50 days later, 
Acts chapter 2. Peter's going to preach that great sermon, isn't he? And he looks at all of those people who are gathered there and he said, you crucified the Lord of glory. You did it. And the Bible says they were all cut to the heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of two things has to be true, it seems to me. I love these kinds of discussions with you because I intend for them to generate discussions in your mind that might end in your discussions with me to understand it even better or more properly. But it seems one of two things is true. Either they were forgiven, the guilt was taken away by Jesus on the cross, and now they just had to fulfill the new plan which involved baptism as a public show for everybody to see. Or, I just thought maybe there's a third way of looking at it. Maybe Jesus was giving a conditional thought. If, Lord, forgive them, if they go ahead and do what Peter's going to tell them to do. Or, what about this idea? Maybe, in fact, Jesus did not ask for God to release their guilt, to send away their sins. Well, we've already seen that the Word can be used not in a situation where you are talking about sin that is pushed away in a spiritual sense. It has a broader sense. So maybe here Jesus is not talking about releasing their guilt and their sin. Maybe he's talking about the broader word connected to something else. Now I want you just to let that move around in your head. I don't want to give you an answer yet. Let's look at a second thought. Now that I have, if I have a responsibility to give and I understand how this word can be used, then I also need to understand that my responsibility to forgive others is tied to the concept that I want God to forgive me. Unmistakable. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that, 12 through 15. In that prayer, 
He followed it up by saying, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you. If I want to be forgiven, I must forgive others. God's forgiveness of me is tied to my forgiving others. And there's no doubt about that. So, what am I supposed to know about forgiving? Well, Matthew chapter 18. One of the things I'm supposed to know is I cannot keep count of how many times I forgive somebody. That's what Peter was wanting to do. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he offered a number and Jesus multiplied the number. Jesus was not saying, get out a spreadsheet. That would be for our day. I don't even know how to use Excel. I have no, I, I just don't. I think I would probably have the ability to do it. I just don't care to. So, in our day, he says, and I'm just telling you this from what I hear people talking. Get out an Excel spreadsheet and start keeping up with the numbers. You did it to this person one time, this person two times. Now it's the same person. Not how many different people do I have to forget. It's the same person. I can't keep count of how many people or how many times I'm forgiving someone. Remember, if I want to be forgiven... It's tied to my forgiving, and if I want God not to keep count of how many times He's forgiven me, then I sure can't keep count how many times I've forgiven somebody else. Number two, verse 35 of that same chapter. I can't just have an external show of forgiveness. For Jesus said, if you do not forgive from your heart. Well, do I want God merely to do a surface forgiving, external, just putting on a show? Or do I really want to be forgiven? Well, the answer is obvious. Therefore, I need to forgive. But now I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to begin now, toward the end, answering some questions. Luke 17. I'm going to start in verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So here's the question. Am I supposed to forgive someone only after they have repented. Now, 
Every passage in the New Testament that talks about me forgiving, every one of them, never mention if they repent. This is the only passage. Is it? This is the only one that puts the if statement, the conditional statement there. And so the question is, okay, until that person repents, then conditionally I don't have to forgive them. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, here is my view. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think the point of this passage is Jesus saying to people, responding, if you will, to the same mentality that Peter used. It, and I'm going to use it from just a, a common way of talking, Lord, people wear me out. I'm tired of forgiving. It just continues. Nothing ever changes. Things just always stay the same. I'm tired. And he would say, now Mike, even if seven times in the same day he comes back and says, I repent, you forgive me. Even if. The condition is not intended to focus on the repenting. I think the condition is meant to focus on the number of times because we're the ones who have a problem. We just are tired. So even if. You might even say in this passage, is there real repentance going on here? One of the things that interests me about our mentality concerning forgiveness, have you ever sat through an assembly of worship at any time when someone leads a prayer at the beginning of our assembly and they say, and Lord, Forgive us, for we are in need. And then someone leads a prayer during the Lord's Supper. Lord, forgive us, for we are in need. And since apparently we can't close a service without a prayer, Lord, forgive us, for we are in need. You mean, how valuable was that assembly if we've been sinning the whole time that we have to ask for forgiveness three times in the same assembly? If this brother comes to you seven times in the same day, can you even imagine something like that happening? I think what he's saying is, yes, even if he does that, Forgive him. Not forgive him only if he does that. That's what I think is going on here. 
So what am I supposed to do? Release it. Let me give you one more point before we close. God is my example for forgiving, right? So if I follow his example, number one, I will stand ready to forgive at any time. In that text, Jesus is saying, if he returns to you, you don't run away, you're just there. And he comes back, you stand ready to forgive at any time and all the time, because of what God does. Number two, you restore as much as you can the relationship that this brother has broken. He comes back to you as a brother, not a heathen. You restore it. Because that's what God does. He restores. And number three, you remove any impediments to restoring that relationship. Because that's what God does. He removed the guilt to restore the relationship. Now, let's answer two questions. And the lesson is yours to contemplate, think about, challenge, or just simply stand in awe at the wonderful thought. One, what did Jesus do on the cross? I think Jesus did this. God, release them from me. I put them in your hands. I send them to you. They don't know what they're doing. Two, what am I supposed to do? I can't release their guilt. That's not up to me. It's God's job. But what can I release? I can release the same thing that Jesus released. If I forgive someone, if I release someone, if I send away, I'm not sending away their guilt. I am sending away their damage that they could do to me by harboring unforgiveness. That's what I'm doing. I'm not removing their sin, their guilt. That's God's job. I can't release what it's God's job to release. But I can release what is my job to release. And that is, I don't want to harbor anger, frustration. I don't want to harbor ill will and feelings. I don't want to harbor disappointment because it doesn't damage them. It only damages me. Could it be? that Jesus on the cross, his last words were not so much about them, 
but about himself. He was human like we are. Don't we find it hard to release people who have harmed us? Don't we find it difficult to move on when people have offended us, damaged us, betrayed us, forsaken us? And here's Jesus. What all had he been through? I think this was a prayer to himself, for himself. God, I'm releasing all this. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want it to weigh on me. So when do I forgive? I forgive immediately. Because the longer I hold on to it, the more likelihood is I'm going to be damaged by failing to forgive. And when someone comes and repents, no matter how many times they do it, I can't be frustrated and say, well, they are repenting again one more time. Forgive. Send it away. And when there's genuine repentance taking place, I should pray with them, James 5 and 15. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you might be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If someone really is repenting, prayers of other Christians help them get over themselves for having sinned. The hardest thing to do I don't think is to forgive other people. I think it's to forgive me. Me to forgive me. I don't know about you, but that's the toughest part to me. And I think that's exactly why Jesus said what he said on the cross. So I leave you with that. Consider it. Think about it. Tonight God wants to forgive all of us. We know that. He wants to send it away. He wants to release it. And he wants us to follow his example and do the same thing with others. There's something we need to help you with tonight. The shepherds want to do that while we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.